Alrighty, everyone. Welcome to episode 30 of Scooter and the Big Man. The New York Mets made a trade with the Royals and Red Sox, acquiring a top outfield prospect. We talk about the MLB top 100 list, Seth Lugo's elbow injury. We do a draft of your favorite things in sports. We talk a little Zach Scott's first press conference as the New York Mets general manager. We break down some free agent news and some trade speculations. And ladies and gentlemen, it is a happy Harvey day. Let's get it started. Welcome to episode 30, everyone. The Michael Conforto episode, the scooter episode. And PJ, we have a sponsor this week. For we the sure fir- do. This is the first time we've ever had a sponsor for an episode of Scooter and the Big Man. We're very, uh, very happy to partner with this, uh, this illustrious group. And uh, it's us. Yeah. We are sponsoring our own podcast. Uh, we have merchandise out on a website called Bonfire. Uh, we've been putting out some awesome t-shirts of uh, a scooter face on your, your left nipple pocket or a big man face on your left nipple pocket. On the back, it says Scooter and the Big Man, or we have just normal Scooter and the Big Man shirts. Uh, So go check out that link. You can find it on our Twitter, Instagram, all our social medias. Uh, We are doing something exciting, though, with the Scooter and the Big Man merchandise, aren't we, PJ? We sure are. And uh, very, very excited to be be doing this. I think it's a a good thing that we're going to do. So this is the Scooter episode, episode 30. But we also have to honor the Big Man in some way as well. And the Big Man is Pete Alonzo. Pete Alonzo is a charity called Homers for Heroes. So what we are going to do is any profit that we get off of our Scooter and the Big Man shirts by February 22nd, that's going to be next Monday. So by episode 31, we're going to donate all the profits we get to Homers for Heroes, uh, to Pete Alonzo's charity. If you're not familiar with his charity, uh, he tries to help out the unsung heroes such as teachers, medical staff, first responders, coaches, and veterans. Uh, it's an amazing thing he started up during his rookie year with his fiance Haley. So uh, as proud sponsors of Scooter and the Big Man, uh, we're going to help out the Big Man's charity with some of our merchandise. So please buy a shirt. You'll also be able to make a donation when you buy a shirt. Any profit and any donation you send us when buying a shirt, we're going to be sending directly over to Homers for Heroes. Uh, all those sales that we get by, again, Monday, February 22nd, they're all going to be heading over to his charity. So we'll be putting the link all over the place. We're going to be putting out a clip also saying all these shirts and whatnot. So uh, definitely buy a shirt, support a good cause and rep your favorite or your like eighth favorite New York Mets hey, podcast. The 122nd ranked uh, baseball podcast in America, third in Italy. Rep us, help help the Alonzo charity, Homer Free Heroes. Um, this, is a really, this is a really cool thing I think we're doing. I don't want to pat ourselves on the back, but it's to help a good cause. But uh, let's get the, the base man pro charity. Yes. Very pro. Right, Pat? Pro charity? Yep. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. <laughs> I, I drank Gatorade before this episode started and it's still hurting me. All right. Great start. <laughs> uh, yeah, PJ. So like you said, let's talk some baseball. Uh, we're going to start off with a little, uh, it's almost like an LOL Mets classic moment. Spring training hasn't even started yet. And one of our top pitchers, needs elbow surgery. Uh, Seth Lugo needs to have a, uh, he had a bone spur or a chip in his elbow or a bone, a chip. There's like a floating part in his elbow though. That's causing him some discomfort. So he's getting that removed. 
Um, and it's going to be about six weeks until he can start throwing. So we're probably not going to see Seth Lugo until maybe about maybe like first week of May, realistically. I think it, I think it was six weeks that you start throwing. Then you have to factor in the like rehab stints that he's going to go through. So that might be another like forty six weeks. That's in months before six six week six week rehab or six weeks so he could throw and then like a four to six week rehab period. So we're going to be out uh, probably like our best relief pitcher for for a while, which which sucks. Uh, I do want to credit the Mets organization though on how they handled the Seth Lugo injury. Uh, I didn't hear about it from any other beat writer. There was no speculation. I hate finding out through the Mets where they're like, Hey, this player is going for an MRI an MRI. And then we go like weeks or not weeks, but like days. And we're like, what the fuck were the results? Mm -hmm. What's going on? The Mets were the ones who announced this. They were like, Hey, he already had his MRI. These are the results. This is how long he's going to be out. Here is every bit of information that's going on. His surgery is scheduled for this day. And it was all at once. It was like all in our face. It was good. I feel like in the past, we would have had at least one day on Twitter where we're all like, that's it. Seth Lugo, Tommy John, his season's over. What are we going to do? This is already happening. It was like a shitty thing to wake up to because it was like Mm -hmm. early in the morning, like 8.50 a.m. But at the end of the day, it was like, you know what? They gave us all the information. It stinks. It's not the full year. He's going to be back still in the first half. You know, this is why you sign pitching. Pitching, pitching, pitching. You need as many as you can get. Um, And we'll get into that more as we talk about like free agencies and some of the moves they're going to do. But, you know, it sucks. Seth Lugo is one of our most like versatile and dominant relievers. So you go the first little bit without him. Yeah, this sucks. And like I said, we'll we'll talk about possible things to do in the bullpen now that he's out. But like I said, this this could have been a lot worse. Um, Six weeks and then you think minimum like 10 weeks. So minimum two and a half, two and a half months, which it, it sounds long to, to say, but like I said, it could have been Tommy John. It could have been, like he blew out his, like uh, his shoulder or something like that. Like, could, like, we know a time we have a timetable. If everything just goes as planned, he'll be, he'll be fine by, by June. I, let I me, uh, let me ask you this. Cause we always get these random spring training, like tidbits. And we're about a week away from here and all this stuff where it's going to be like this player shows up in the best shape of their life or this pitcher has dead arm. Like, Hey, it's like, we haven't thrown in three months, but out of nowhere, this guy still has dead arm for some reason. Mm-hmm. So give me the Mets player. That's going to show up in the quote unquote, best shape of their life to camp. And then give me the Mets pitcher. That's going to be the random one. That's just like, up, oh, yeah, he's got arm fatigue and he's been here for like a week. Well, I'm going to say arm fatigue is going to be familiar. Okay. I feel like we're going to get, I think we have last year we had skinny familiar. I feel like we're going to get back to fat familiar. See, I'm I'm versed. I, I think yeah. Familia is going to be the best shape of the life guy. Why well, didn't give my 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 best shape of his life? I think. I mean, for all the shit talking I, I've done, I think Edward Diaz is going to come out firing. Okay. This like like first like couple spring training um, where you see pitchers and catchers, he's going to be the name where they're like Diaz looked really really good, and I'm going to get I'm going to get excited to you know what I was thinking about this before. I'm a I'm clean slate. Wow, on clean Edward? slate. Clean slate and Edwin. Okay. They said a bad, a bad first year, a bounce back second year. We're gonna go in. We're gonna go in with an open mind. We're gonna forget. We're gonna try and forget the past, and we're gonna be we're gonna be positive vibes to start the year. That's I'm very his, big of you. His his first save opportunity. I'm not gonna be like, oh, this game's over. Uh, Mets lost already. Like, what are we what are we doing? I'm gonna be like, you know what? Let's let's see. I'm not. I'm gonna be like, you know what? I think Edwin's got this. That clean slate. This is a new regime. Cohen era. Me and Edwin, we're on good terms now. So opening day, he lets go is like a two-run home run. They lose in the ninth inning. 
you uh, you're gonna be like, yeah, it's just a fluke. I'm gonna I'm not gonna say it's a fluke. I'm gonna be like, let's wait and see. Let's wait right. and see. All right, I could respect that. I can uh, only give I can only give so much. Listen, just to go back for like two seconds, Robert Kesselman. He's gonna be my random like this guy's got dead arm and like Robert Kesselman's just gonna like vanish into the night. Like he's gonna be Thanos snapped. You're never gonna hear from Robert Kesselman this year. So let me ask you this: Now that we know we're not gonna have Lugo for the start of the year, who takes that spot? So define Lugo's role though. Because he wasn't really your closer. He's just like the guy who comes in in the middle of the game in big I, spots. Is I'm not saying we're talking about. I'm not saying his role. I'm saying who literally takes that spot in the bullpen. Like who oh. takes who takes up another spot in the bullpen. Listen, is it going to be is going to be a, a guy we sign? Is it going to be is it going to be Gazelman? They they DFA'd Brad Brock, so he's he's not factoring in right now. Looks like is it going to be I, like a Sam McWilliams? Who knows? I'm going to be honest with you, and and a little bit of a spoiler, but the Mets signed uh, Tommy Hunter to a minor league deal. Tommy Hunter, he's not that bad. Like, he's really yeah. not. He's solid. And if you're thinking about guys, uh, another thing that was a little bit of a spoiler, but our boy that we had in the bullpen last year, Jared Hughes, uh, he retired. Tommy Hunter is better than Jared Hughes. And if Tommy Hunter is in your bullpen, that is a slight upgrade already from what you had last year. And I would rather give Tommy Hunter a ball for an inning than let Robert Gesellman even sniff that mound. I have uh, I have Tommy Hunter's stats in front of me. If you want me to read them out to you, yeah, why don't just read them? So last last year in 24 games, they had a 401 ERA, not that terrible. Uh, I'll read in uh, 2018 was his last like full season. He was hurt in 2019. He pitched to a, a 3.8 ERA in 65 games with uh, 51 strikeouts. So uh, a good a good solid player, and they got him on a minor league deal. There's no real commitment towards that. Could do worse. Could do worse. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm sorry. I was swallowing down a burp as well. Pat's got me off on a bad start. Uh, a lot of <laughs> indigestion on the podcast early on. Uh, but yeah, uh, Tommy Hunter on a minor league deal is a great move for this team. I'm very curious. I don't think they're done when it comes to the bullpen. Um, so I guess it's going to be kind of like a wait and see mm-hmm. to see if they do any more of these interesting minor league deals. We'll get into more options that they can do a little bit later on when we get into free agency. Uh, that being said, the New York Mets also made a trade this week. Second time this offseason that we have been a part of a three team trade. Uh, this was the Mets, Royals and Red Sox this time. Uh, the Mets were kind of like a side piece to this trade. Obviously, the big part was the Red Sox training and trading Andrew Benetetti to the Royals. Red Sox get a uh, a spew of prospects back in return, and the Mets kind of just snuck in here and took a uh, a top off outfield prospect away from the Royals. Uh, it was the ninth rated prospect in the entire Royals system. Uh, he's kind of like a major league ready outfielder who mm-hmm. they will plant pencil in to probably start a Triple A. His name is Cahill Lee. I say that right, Cahill. It's, is it Khalil? Allie? Khalil. I think it's Khalil, Khalil Lee. Lee. I think so. All right. Well, it's Khalil Lee or Cali. We'll just say Mr. Lee. I'm really bad with names. You know, we got to, yeah, you're learn. not good. We got to do this. Um, so you, Lee's you stats, do. you, we, you are, no, this you is a collective thing. There's no, a team. You. It's very much you. Oh my Jesus. All right. PG and I've never mispronounced a name. No, you just mispronounce whatever you just said. It's not a show. Okay. Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> uh, PJ, I'm going to tell you something concerning about Mr. Lee. And then I'm going to give you something that is like promising. Okay. Something concerning 
is overall through the minors, the man has 371 hits. Uh, he has 485 strikeouts. He has 116, 116 more strikeouts than hits in the minor leagues. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Um, the good thing about him, when you look at his spray chart as a hitter, he is a all over the field. He sprays the ball everywhere. Uh, he has great speeds in 2019, his full minor league season. He had 53 stolen bases. He is only 22 years old. And there's a pretty awesome clip out hit out there of him taking batting practice against Trevor Bauer. And he hit like a absolute moon fucking shot. moonshot moonshot off Trevor Bauer. And I don't care if that's the only like ball he's ever hit deep in his entire life. That's all I really need right now for me to really like Mr. Lee. Um, you know, he's a young promising player. The Mets have really no talent at the outfield position in their upper levels. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously we have Pete Crow Armstrong in the minor leagues. He was their first round pick from a year ago, but there's really no one nowhere close. So it's nice to get a nice little promising piece where they call him up. You know, you never know what you're going to get. Uh, the worst case scenario, you got a guy who can steal a fucking bag. So that's pretty cool. Cause we have no speed really. Yeah, no, this, um, this was a good trade for the Mets. And I, I, it's not like an eye popping trade that I think people were, were expecting. Like I wasn't expecting the Mets to be involved in this trade. I wasn't expecting this trade to happen at all. I really didn't think the Red Sox were going to trade Ben and a young player. It was kind of up and down, but, I just want to talk about the trade real quick and the, the Red Sox Royals part of it for a second. Um, I think it's a good trade for the Royals too, where they get it. They get a guy who is a high ceiling, kind of a low floorish type player. Like he's very, he's very hot and cold at times, but when you're a team like the Royals, uh, you need to make these kind of moves to get guys who want are young under control and have a lot of upside. So that's a good trade for the Royals. On the Red Sox side, it, like I said, it's kind of weird to give up a, a guy like that when you're trying to not have a lot of salary on and a guy who's not making a lot of money and who's young, you trade him away. But they, this was a move for them to get a lot of depth piece or a lot of uh, farm pieces. Like they want to replenish the farm system. And they, they did it. They got, uh, they got the one, they got Josh Winkowski, the, the guy that the Mets traded for Steven Matz. So the Mets essentially traded for the other two relievers. Uh, uh, I forget their names off the top of my head. Uh, and Khalil Lee. That's kind of what the, the base of that trade is now. And the Red Sox got, uh, I think, two other prospects from the Royals, plus two players to be named later and uh, one from the, one player to be named later from the Mets. So they replenished their farm system on Khalil Lee. Uh, like I said, he was the eighth-ranked prospect or ninth-ranked prospect in the Royals organization. He becomes the seventh for the Mets. This is only a good move. You gave up your 24th-ranked prospect for an eighth and fill a need in that upper minor league outfield depth. Um, I also heard he has a hose of an arm, like an absolute cannon in the outfield. I don't know if I was misled, uh, but I, this is only good things from, from this trade, from the, from the the little research I did on, on Lee. So I want you to focus on the Red Sox here for a second. So the Red Sox kind of went all in a couple of years ago. They won a championship, right? They, they reached the highest pinnacle you could reach in major league baseball. And now they are in a phase where they had to trade away a lot of their star talent. They're in a complete rebuild. Would, would you want that? If you were, let's say now we're the Mets and that exact same situation happens, they go all in, they win a world series within the next two years, but then you're back in like a six year window of, of nothing. Are you okay with that? Uh, I am. Okay. I'm okay with that. Uh, Do anything for a world series. So they won a world series this year. The Mets won a world series this year. 
but it guarantees for the next six that they're probably going to be in a rebuild. You'd be okay with it. I would be. So the, here's, here's the difference. Um, I would be okay with it. If they're going through a rebuild with a purpose, if they're just shedding salary to not pay uh, so much money or have not have a high payroll and they don't really have a plan, then I wouldn't be okay with that. If they won the world series, but they're like, all right, we're going to offset some of these guys to replenish the system and get like high, high level prospects. And uh, it doesn't even have to be in the first year, but get, um, get guys to uh, progress that uh, rebuild. Then I'd be okay with it. Like you have to have a plan. If you don't have a plan. Then it's all for nothing. And that's just a waste. But well, you, I, I'm always, I'm always going to sign up for the world series. That's just me. No. And I think honestly, with, when you have a drought, that's getting close to 30 years, um, you know, you're going to do whatever you can to get that championship. Um, that being said, I also think you're trying to build something that's sustainable. And I think that's what the Mets have been really, really focused on this offseason is that they are trying to build for tomorrow as well as right now. So we'll kind of see how this shapes up as we go through the years. Uh, Let's talk about our new general manager, uh, Zach Scott. He had his first press conference since taking over the job. Uh, Biggest quote that came out of from this press conference was him simply just saying, we are not done. Uh, The Mets are not satisfied right now with what they currently have. He said he'd be okay going into camp with it, but he just put it as plain as simple. Like, Hey, we're not done. We're still looking to do a lot of things. I, I want to ask uh, based off of that quote, scale of one to 10, the Mets go into the off season. Like the off season starts tomorrow and this mm-hmm. was their off season. What is your comfort level? And like, what do you rate this off season right now? Yes. I mean, PJ, we've went through off seasons where they fucking signed John Mayberry jr. And like just absolute shit. Like they've acquired Francisco Lindor. We don't have to get on this rant every single episode, but no. I mean, this is a fucking phenomenal off season. Any Met fan that's upset with this off season. Have you not paid attention to the last 10 years of what the fuck we've been through? We've really, we've acquired awful, awful players on like one year deals at the end of their career, trying to get guys who just fucking prove that they have anything left in the tank. And the ownership's trying to convince us that this is like a franchise altering move. No, these guys are fucking trash. We're shipping them out at the deadline or just kicking them off the team. The Mets acquired Francisco Lindor. That player alone, if they acquired nobody else, I'd be like, all right, it was at least a five or a six. Then they went out and got a starting catcher who's better than anything that we've probably had in this like franchise for the last maybe like, I don't know, five, six years. Maybe flashes of Darno can match what McCann does on a consistent basis. Probably not. They went out and made so many moves this offseason. This is at least an 8.5 to a 9. And I don't think they're done. Like, I know, like, our, our general manager is telling me we're not done. And I liked everything I heard from him. I really don't think they're done at all. I, I really think they got one more big move in them. I agree. I think, they wa- I think they want to do a big move. No, I, I agree. I don't, think they're, I don't think they're finished yet. And I, I completely agree. Um, I knew that was your take. I wanted to hear you say it, though. You're just um, trying to get me. You're trying to get me. Jazzed I'm trying to get you riled up. Right up. Now, I'm trying to get you riled up. This, this, it's late in the evening. It's on Valentine's Day. It's a day of love, and you're trying to get me angry. I just want to get the love in the air for this 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 Mets franchise this offseason because it was a really good offseason. Like, would you be a little like, a little disappointed that you didn't get Springer, you didn't get Bauer, you didn't get Real Muto, you didn't get those those big fish? Yeah, you're a little disappointed, but Francisco Lindor is better than all of those players. Like. I heard some. I heard some the other day saying like George Springer could very well turn out to be like a Robinson Cano type contract, where guy kind of declines. He can't play his position. 
and you're kind of stuck in that in that contract. But I don't know if I 100% agree with that, but if that were to happen to them, actually, you have two Robinson Canoes on, on the books, that, was, that would suck. But you got Francisco Lindor. You got Carlos Carrasco. You got Trevor May. You got James McCann. You got so many other uh, very good players to help this team. And like I said, they're not done. I don't think they're done making moves. So uh, who was it? Oh, Shannon, Miss Matt tweeted today, and I loved it. She was like, maybe if maybe if Brody didn't lead the Mets with holes in the rotation, holes in the bullpen, uh, the, the, the shit defense up the middle, no catcher, uh, a, a, a below average third baseman, no center fielder, like all these holes, we wouldn't have like we wouldn't have all these problems right now. You can't fill all these things in one offseason. You have to do it progressively. And I think Sandy Cohen have done a, has done a great job of what they've done this offseason. You know, you remember when the Padres traded for you, Darvish and Blake Snell? And Steve Cohen put out on Twitter, like, hey, credit to the Padres. They had a shit ton of prospects and they traded it for major league ready stuff. He's like, and he flat out said, he's like, we don't have that. Yeah. He's like, our farm system sucks. And the Mets have gotten better. And they probably enhanced their their farm system this offseason as well. Their product that they're going to put out on the field is significantly better. And their farm system is probably deeper. Yeah, no, they they've done a great they've done a great job this offseason, not just with the, the MLB team, but with the prospects uh, in the farm. All right. So let's kind of fly through some of the stuff that's going around baseball right now. Um, so obviously, our GM is telling us we're not done. Zach Scott says we're not done. A little disappointing, I guess, because the Mets are still probably looking to add a starting pitcher if we can. Uh, Paxson, James Paxson was one of the free agent starters that we're looking at here. Uh, he goes back to Seattle. Uh, with that, the Mets were in on him, and apparently they were outbid for him. But he also went for like one year, twelve million. I think, it was and I don't really know if he's worth that. So, is it really getting outbid, or is it knowing what a guy's worth and not and not going to overpay for something that you don't really need? I think I think it is more the uh, the latter. Is that is that how? Am I using that phrase correctly? The second asking, thing you said, I, I can't pronounce anything. You're asking. I was me more asking Pat, but that's fine. What's up? It wasn't Pat. All right, just <laughs> never mind. Sorry. It's, it's all, all right. good. We this fine. Um, <laughs> um, the second thing you said, I think it. I think it's more that hey, we don't want to give a guy who hasn't really done much or has been hurt for like the last two years twelve million dollars. We're willing to give him like nine or ten, uh, but. We'll let him go. There's still some guys. Like, there's still Odorizzi. There's still Tywin Walker. Which another good point I saw on on Twitter too was that everyone like guys people wanted Jake Odorizzi before like like the entire offseason happened. There, guys in the Mets like me, myself included was like, oh, I like Jake Odorizzi. I like Tywin Walker. And now suddenly, since they said they were in, interested in Paxton and they didn't get Bauer, it's like, oh, well, this is a failure. We didn't get the guys we wanted. No, the guys you wanted are still there. The guys you won in the beginning of the offseason are literally still available. So like I like I'm I'm fine with not getting packs. And it would have been cool to have a guy who had like a very high ceiling on a one-year deal. Yeah, it would have been nice, but there's still guys that I wanted that are still available. I got I got two things on that, PJ. Any Mets fans that are upset that they got out quote unquote outbid for fucking Paxson, the Mets offered 105 millions over three years to Trevor Bauer. They're not nickel and diming this offseason. No. They know what they want. And they're willing to pay for what they want. But if they don't think you're worth the money, they're not just going to give it to you to shell it out. We've already learned this. Like Steve Cohen said during his press conference, we're not going to spend like drunken sailors. And they really haven't. I mean, yeah. I think if they gave Bauer that contract, that's a little bit of a drunken sailor move. But 
they're not going to overpay for for pieces that are not worth it. They also um, they also paid up. They tried to pay up for Brad Hand. He just wanted another year, and they didn't want to give it to him. Or they didn't want they wanted he wanted to be a closer. They just couldn't guarantee that, so he went to the Nationals instead. But they offered him more money. Yeah, um, I had something else on that. Nothing. Nope. nope. It's not um, going to be there. So I, I do I do want to go back more. I forget if we still want to talk about this later, but some trade scenarios that have popped up. We have, we've had Chris Bryant floating around. We've had Eddie Haney with Suarez floating around. We talked about that last week, but the name that popped up this week was Matt Chapman of the A's. What is your uh, interest in that? If that's at all possible. My interest is that is obviously through the roof. Matt Chapman's probably like a, a, the second best third baseman in all major league baseball behind Arenado. Uh, another guy who's got like a platinum glove, forget gold glove. This guy's glove is fucking ridiculous. We're talking about defensive run save that third base. You're going to look at Chapman and Arenado. And like, if you really want to upgrade third, you really should be looking to upgrade defensively because that's the big thing that we have against JD Davis. All of a sudden, like Mm -hmm. JD Davis, fine. Like, you know, he's average at best when we're talking defense, he's probably slightly below it. And if you're really looking to upgrade J.D. Davis, you better find somebody to play third who's got a better glove than J.D. Davis has. Because they were showing me some of the stuff that Chris Bryant has glove-wise compared to J.D. And it's like a slither better. It's really not that night and day better. And their bats, obviously, if Chris Bryant's the player that Chris Bryant can be, it's better than J.D. But Matt Chapman is the best third baseman of this entire crop. That being said... He is super affordable. He's going to cost a shit ton of prospect capital. And I don't think Oakland's moving him anyway. I think this is just smoke and mirrors. And I think it's if they are going to acquire a third baseman, it's going to be either Brian or Suarez. So I want to bring this up too, because you mentioned that it's going to cost like a shit ton for prospects wise. Uh, I've seen people be like, oh, uh, I don't want to trade Francisco Alvarez. And then I've seen people be like, oh, he's an 18 year old catcher. Uh, you can You can move him. I'm on the side that I don't want to move him. Um, because I don't think you should be giving up uh, plus guys like this is why you get prospects so you can build from within. But there are, but that being said, a guy like uh, Ronnie Mercurio, if they're planning to have Francisco Lindor sign this massive extension at 10 years, that puts Mercurio in a very weird spot to where like he's not your shortstop of the future anymore. He might not be like you can say, hey, we'll move him to second base. Well, Jeff McNeil's there too, for hopefully for, for a long time. Would you be willing to trade him in any sort of trade? And same thing goes for a guy like like a Brett Batty, who if you require this third baseman, if it's say it's to Chapman, Chapman's younger, you can sign him to an extension too. Uh, that kind of puts him in a weird spot where he doesn't have a spot anymore. What are your thoughts on like those two guys? Listen, uh, shout out our boy Dylan Hornick. Uh, he put this out on Twitter and I, I felt it like 150%. He basically said, trade any fucking prospect that that isn't going to help us win within the next three years. Do you agree with that? Because that's kind of where I am. If you're telling me right now that we can send a loaded trade to the Oakland Athletics and acquire Chapman to be your third baseman, and your infield is going to be Matt Chapman, Francisco Lindor, Jeff McNeil, and Pete Alonso, you're telling me you wouldn't, you're going to be in the NLCS at least. So here's here's the thing you you said prior, the Mets are looking to build not just for this year but for the long term. Yeah, no, listen, it's a contradiction because we literally just said it too. Like, yeah. are you willing to go all completely all in and def, like destroy your farm system to win if, a championship now, 
And it's tough because you want to build something that's sustainable, but like, we're also like, Hey, we haven't won a championship in 30 years. So you're trying to do it responsibly, but you're also super hungry. And it's, I go back and forth on it all the time where I'm such a hypocrite on myself. That being said, I'm kind of agreeing with you. I'm a little bit of a middleman on this where trade players that won't have a spot. So if you have any superstar second base prospects, shortstop prospects, or third base prospects, and you know that these guys are going to be a part of the team for at least one to two, three years, then yeah, you got to ship them. And I know they're like top level prospects. Brett Batty's probably going to be a stud at third base eventually. But when is Brett Batty going to step on the field in Queens and be the Mets starting third baseman and contribute in a positive way? Maybe three years, three, four years. Same thing with Alvarez. When is Alvarez going behind the plate? Four years when McCann's contract is running out? I want to win a championship. So at the end of the day, you got to look at this and you have to draft best players available, just get the top talent in the, in the system, and you have to get rid of these guys when you're trying to make these moves. At the same time, though, you don't want to consistently look and be like, oh, let's see where the Mets farm system is ranked. And you hate fucking seeing it like in the 20s and like 30s. And it's like, this is embarrassing because you look at teams like the Dodgers and you look at teams like the Padres and their farm systems are like top 10 every year. And they're going to be competing for a championship. And that's that's where you want to be. And that's why the Padres were able the Padres were able to do all these moves because they had all this prospect depth. They're mm-hmm. like, all right, cool. We're just going to build whatever fucking rotation we want right now. And that's a special place to be. The Mets aren't in that place. So it's tough because you, you're either going to trade to get into a spot where your team on the field is a top two, top three team in all of baseball. But are you building something that is sustainable? No. So, you know, it's tough. It, it really is tough. That's Zach Scott's got to really decide what he wants to do with that. I'll leave it at this. You make that trade. You ship off Alvarez. You ship off McCurry. You ship off Batty. You ship off whatever prospects. You better win a World Series. Yeah. You have to win. If no, you don't win. World Series or bust. Yes. That's, it's World Series or bust. Definitely. If they trade for Chris, I'm telling you right now too, though, if they trade for Chris Bryan or Suarez, your World Series or bust. Yeah. We're, we're right now, we're, this is such like a weird, I, I, I feel like we're like ESPN talking about shit like this, but like right now, the Mets are playoffs or bust. You would agree? Absolutely. You have to make the playoffs with this team that you acquired. If you don't, it's a failure. If you don't, Rojas gets fired. That's where you start doing shit like that. Mm-hmm. Um, if they make a move for Chris Bryant or Suarez, or if it's like a Bryant and Hendricks deal, or a, a Suarez and Sonny Gray, or a Matt Chapman by himself, this is that. those are all moves where it's like, hey, we are 100% all in. We want a championship in 2021. Because especially if they go for Bryant, Bryant's contract's up after this season. Yep. And I want the Mets to re-sign Francisco Lindor and Michael Conforto and potentially Stroman and Syndergaard. We got a lot of money in-house to pay out. Chris Bryant's not going to be getting a contract. He might be a one-year guy with the New York Mets if he's here. The Grom also win in 2021. Opted. The Grom also has an opt-out after 2022. The Grom's not going anywhere. I'm just saying he hasn't opt-out, and you're going to have to pay him if he opts out. After 2022, though. I'm just saying. Yeah, I know. It's it's more money to hand out. Because you're handing out this money in 2021, you got to have some money left over for 2022 to sign to Grom if that's the case. PJ, I'm a little nervous, though, because we kind of showed our hand with Trevor Bauer. We're telling Trevor Bauer we're going to give him $45 million a fucking year to pitch in Queens. We have the best pitcher in the world on our roster, and he's got an opt-out after 2022. He's going to look at us and be like, hey, you guys are willing to give fucking Trevor Bauer $45 million? Cool. What are you going to give Jacob DeGrom? I'm going to give Jacob, I'm going to give him a blank check. I'm going to say, fill in whatever fucking number you want, buddy. 
You're a Met for life. You stole my thunder. I was going to say, I'm going to leave it this because I want to get to more stuff. Jacob DeGrom says, hey, how much you want to pay me? You handle a blank check and walk away. Yeah. No, Jacob DeGrom, you pick your own salary, buddy. Your number 48 is going to be up in the rafters in fucking Queens. We're not messing around with that. No. Um, what else do we have? We have more, some more free agent signings. Yeah. Um, let's go into some of the deaf moves that are going on. So we talked about Paxson a little bit. Um, Jake Arrieta also signed a contract to go back to the Cubs. A lot of these guys going back home. Uh, Paxson back to Seattle. Arietta back to the Cubs. They both went back to teams where they've had success. I'm actually kind of happy the Mets so kind of stayed hands off from Arietta. I, I didn't like that move for them. Uh, even as like the depth piece that he would have been, I'm, I'm happy we stay away. Um, a signing that, you know, is a little interesting. Marwin Gonzalez goes to Boston on a really cheap deal. Uh, Justin Turner returns to the LA Dodgers. The Dodgers just have unlimited, unlimited money. They really do. They just gave this guy two years, $34 million after they get Bauer like 40, 45 million a year. Like they just have unlimited money, unlimited money in LA. It's so insane. I want to touch on a few things that we talked about. Um, the, the Arietta thing. I'm so happy the Mets were on. I'm usually in on like, Hey, this guy was a former Cy Young award winner. We know that. Yeah. Uh, throwing I, session, PJ. Did you get all, you get all session. turned and turned on and hot and bothered when he did that? I did. It's Valentine's Day, you know. He threw to a catcher. Um, but his numbers have declined. So just each year he's gotten so much worse since he won that Cy Young. Like he, he is not the same pitcher whatsoever. So like usually I'm, I'm in on like, Hey, this guy had some stuff. Maybe he can find it again. You signed to a minor league deal. What's the harm? I'm just happy. They just didn't even touch it at all. Just don't, don't even fucking bother with, with that guy. Nothing in shit. I'm sure he's a nice guy. I just, I, Good. Hope he does well in the Cubs. I don't care. Nah, fuck Jake Arrieta. Yeah, who cares if he's a nice I guy? I don't think he's a nice guy. I think he's a dick. I don't have anything against him. I'm, should I have any something against him? Am I missing something? No, but just fuck Jake Arrieta. All right. Um, then on uh, Marvin Gonzalez. I know the Mets were in on him. Um, I'll bring it up now. Another move. A move the Mets made was uh, Jonathan VR. Now I see a lot of people were very like. I think people were more negative on Jonathan VR than they should have been. Um, and they're like, Oh, why don't we get Marwin Gonzalez? Uh, first of all, you can't force guys to sign here. I think that's, I think that's something that people are drastically forgetting that you can offer as much money as you want. If they don't want to sign here, they want to sign somewhere else. They're going to sign somewhere else. You can only do so much. So I think Marwin Gonzalez signs with the rest. He's like, Oh, I'm getting guaranteed, uh, like starter at bats. Like I'm going to get the guaranteed 500 at bats. If I stay healthy on the Mets, you've been a backup. So that's, that's an easy factor, but Everyone was saying, oh, uh, Jonathan VR, he was not good last year. He only hit like 230 and was not the same player he, he used to be. Well, first of all, this is what the, this is what Jonathan VR brings to the Mets. He brings speed off the bench. Jonathan VR has stole 60 bases a few years ago. He's a constant uh, stolen base threat, uh, 20 or more, basically like, every year he's been in the majors. And he brings some pop. Like he had 24 homers uh, two years ago. Like that's nothing to scoff at. And now, yeah, he he plays a bunch of different positions. Like he can play all the infield positions besides first, and he could play uh, center field. Marvin Gonzalez plays every position that's under the sun besides catcher and pitcher. Yes, that would have been cool. But then you look at his hitting stats. Marvin Gonzalez had a worse year than Jonathan VR did last year with none of the speed. Like VR hit 232, which is not good, and like a 300 on base percentage. Marvin Gonzalez hit 211 with a 286. So let's not pretend that, that Marvin Gonzalez is some that they, they missed out on like Marvin Gonzalez would have been cool because like I said he's versatile he can play everywhere but like that's all he really brings like he has he has some pop 
but as peak, not as much as Jonathan VR did. And he doesn't bring as much to speed. So that's a, that's, I'm fine with missing out on Jonathan VR. Like I'm, I'm very cool with, I mean, I'm, I'm fine with missing out on Mario Gonzalez. I'm very cool with Jonathan VR as that's like backup, uh, big speed threat. I'm getting tired of uh, a fan saying that the Mets are missing out on players because they're really not. The Mets have probably been still the most active team in all of MLB this entire offseason still when it comes to acquiring players and whatnot. The Mets are literally in everything, everything, every single player that's been available that is like top level talent. The Mets have had a conversation with, have at least like reached out, talked some numbers. They are in everything and those reports get out. So it's like, oh, the Mets are involved. And then every Met fan gets upset when they choose other teams. It's like, listen, like we're still acquiring top fucking talent, but like stop getting butt hurt when we're not signing every single player. Do you know how many off seasons that we've been a part of where we're not even talking to the top guys? Like we're at least having these conversations and bringing guys in still like this is so I hate the mindset of Mets fans. Like out of nowhere, a lot of you have become really, really greedy. You have, you got an extremely greedy. This is a great off season. This is a great team that they are building enough. They're not going to get every single guy. And like PJ just said, I think we got the better guy. Yeah. Like, I think we got the better guy here. And it's just, they see that we're linked to someone and it's like, we want him. We want him here right now. He's got to play in Queens. And then he goes to play somewhere where if you think about it, exactly how you just said, for Marwin Gonzalez, playing in Boston is 100% a better situation for him as a player than playing for the Mets. Same thing for when you think about Brad Hand. Brad Hand wants to be a closer. The Mets are like, hey, listen, we're going to pay you this amount of money. You're a great arm. We want you in our bullpen, but you're not going to close every game. He's like, fuck that. I want to go close games. So people are like, oh, the Mets missed out on Brad Hand. It's like, no, you fucking idiots. He wants to go close. The Mets don't have that situation for him. Some of these guys, it's not about the money, how much money you're throwing at them. They want the best situation so they can grow and better their own careers. It's very, it's very frustrating. I think, I think, uh, I think that the Mets fan base has become goldfish where they have a 10 second memory and they don't fucking remember. They're like, Hey, Oh, I hate that. I hate that. It's like, Oh, we were interested in this player. Oh, I'm tired of being interested. Let's sign these guys. When literally like oh, last year we were interested, we were not getting any of these. Uh, we're interested in this guy. We, we've talked to this guy, like Jesus Christ. The Mets, like, the Mets so offseason ended every year, like December 5th. December, it, it, like we were, we were done. It was like, okay, cool. We got John, every, Jonathan Mayberry Jr. We're done. You're taking a lot of shots at John Mayberry this episode. Brian just threw up two middle fingers. I don't think you realize it's a podcast. And uh, didn't say anything, but no, the Mets would always sign uh, some guy like the first week of free agency and then do nothing until like December and maybe sign uh, either like a veteran on a one-year contract or just like a random bullpen arm uh, for no reason. And that was it. But uh, going back one more thing, you mentioned Justin Turner goes back to the Dodgers, two years, 30 million. I want to ask you this. People want to say salary cap. I think the Dodgers have unlimited money. I don't want to say salary cap. Should there be a salary floor? Because you see teams like the Dodgers spending all this money and people are like, oh, that's bad for baseball. No, I think what's bad for baseball is the Pirates having like a $40 million salary cap with the Indians having like a $35 million salary yeah. cap and not competing. I think that's worse for baseball than the Dodgers. Like being like, hey, we want to build a fucking exciting team. We want to, we want to outbid for these guys. And like, yeah, some of these teams might not be able to do it as that level, but 
there should be something where like you can't just blatantly not try. So give me that number. Give me that number. What would be the floor? 60? I was gonna say 60-ish, 60 to like 70. Yeah. I think it should be I think it's enough to be like you can like physically put a team out there that can win almost every day. There should not be one individual player in baseball making more than an entire team's like total salary cap. It's honestly embarrassing. Now that there is multiple players making more than the pirates are spending the entire year on their entire roster. uh, Yeah. I think 60 million is a good base being like, Hey, every single year, your payroll has to be at least $60 million. And if not, we're going to find you. Like you get fined if you're over the luxury tax. So now you're going to get fined if you're under the salary low. Yeah. I like that. I, I think that that will help. That will help the competitiveness of baseball, but not, PJ, putting, not putting a cap on good teams, but putting a kind of cap on, on teams that don't want to try. You're asking uh, the commissioner of baseball to do something good for baseball though. And this man consistently, consistently just doesn't get it. He doesn't. This guy does not know how to handle major league baseball in any, like any way, shape or form. He does not know how to market the game. He does not know how to make this to appeal to the younger generation where the NBA and NFL are flying past the MLB. So MLB does more rule change, uh, more rule changes. They do the seven inning double headers are here to stay for this year. Uh, We will probably have games canceled due to COVID again. That's, you know, it's it's not to deny that COVID still exists. So games are going to get canceled. So the seven inning double headers are going to be a factor. And we're going to do the stupid rule of putting the runner on second base in extra innings to speed up extra inning games. Yeah. I, and there's no fucking designated hitter in the national league, which is just so, so stupid. I I've expressed multiple times. We've, we've expressed multiple times how stupid we think these rules are. Uh, it's the, it's the brave and wagon and uh, he doesn't get it. He just doesn't get it. Talking about Rob Manfred again, uh, different situation, but still applies all the same. He doesn't get it. He, he kept the rules that no one liked and uh, took away the rule that, that everyone wanted. Yeah. Like the, the seven inning double headers. I, I, I mean, I get that. Like I get, I got, I got them for last year. You were on time string. You didn't really know what was happening. So you had to try and condense and be able to fit as many games. Fine. That was a weird season. I'm cool with that. Going forward. The, the seven inning double headers are stupid. They're dumb. Um, I get them more because COVID is still a thing. I don't want it. I understand it. Runner on second is the dumbest rule ever. What does that, what does that do for baseball? It reward, you can reward, you can reward a team with a win. And then you can reward a team with a win by sack fly or moving the runner over the third and then sack fly. The, the pitcher doesn't even give up a fucking hit. And you reward that team. He didn't. He doesn't walk anyone. He doesn't allow a base runner. You just give him a win because uh, you want the game to go by quicker. That doesn't help anything. Like they want to make rules to grow the game. DH make the game itself more exciting. Make hitting more fun. That's how you grow the game. Not hey, we're gonna put a guy on second so we get this game over with quicker. That tells me hey, uh, people don't really want to. They don't want to watch these long games. Let's end this. Let's end as soon as I can. Like oh, if they want to end it sooner, why should I waste my time watching? Like I don't, I don't get what goes through Rob Manfred's head. He's very, very stupid, Brian. He's not smart, Pat. The designated hitter just makes so much sense in both leagues. I don't understand when they first brought it up why it only went to the American League. 
But this is just such a genius idea to help lengthen stars' careers who can still swing a great bat but can't play the field anymore. And why not give these guys the opportunity to sign with all the teams in Major League Baseball and keep your offensive legends playing longer on any, on any team? You're, you're limiting them to 15 spots. And it's just, it's such a bad move. It frustrates the players. It frustrates the fans. You're seeing hitters pitch. I mean, you're seeing hitters, you're seeing pitchers hit and getting an automatic out. Um, I mean, I guess the only flip side to that, the Mets pitchers are decent at swinging the bat, but we're talking about decent swinging the bat. They hit like 190. They still suck. Like they're not good. They're just better, but they're, they still suck. Yeah, I don't want to see that. If you're asking me if I'd rather watch Jacob DeGrom swing the bat or Dominic Smith, it's going to be Dominic Smith. I was the only, the only argument that has ever been like, oh, that's true is oh, we, we would have never seen Bartolo Colon's homer, but we saw it. So what's the point now? But that's hopefully they can get rid of those and they can flip that around. We get the DH next year, but exciting thing happened, Brian. PJ, this is my, I don't even know how to describe this. When I saw this on Twitter, I, I gasped. Like I, 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 oh. I audibly gasped. I've been watching Matt Harvey put out some, uh, some clips on his Instagram over the last like month of this man, just working on a sinker, working on some off speed stuff, still throwing gas and locating. Yeah, he did a throwing session. He was a throwing session. You got excited, he Brian? did a throwing session, and I was feeling the dark night magic once what again. What a fucking hypocrite you are. And you know what? When it, It's different when it's Matt. You know that. Matt hypocrite. Harvey. I've went on so many rants about Matt Harvey, but uh, if you didn't see, or if you live under a rock, Matt Harvey signed a minor league deal with the Baltimore Orioles. And you know what? The Orioles have shit in that rotation. So Matt Harvey might be penciled in, in the Baltimore Orioles starting rotation. And He's, that is, that is pretty awesome for me. I, Brian, I want Matt Harvey to succeed, but I don't think he's penciled into any rotation at this point in his career. I'm penciling him in. Well, you're not a GM nor manager, so that doesn't mean anything. I would um, have Matt Harvey start opening day if I was the Orioles. All right. I mean, I, who, who in the rotation in the Orioles is good? Let's see. Who's going to go watch any of those guys? At least give me the excitement of Matt Harvey. Well, you're not, you're not, you're not going to watch Orioles opening day. I know that for a fact. So what's if the matter Harvey, I would. Yeah, that's probably true. You would, but <laughs> no, Matt Harvey's not going to, not going to start opening day for them. <laughs> I think that's a, I think that's a foregone conclusion. Um, they'll have John Means probably start opening day. They signed Felix Hernandez too. Ooh, who wants to see that? Uh, maybe Orioles fans. Does John, John Means? Means? The, John Means was an uh, All Star two years ago. Yeah, every team has to have an All Star. All right, that means nothing. <laughs> I'm just saying uh, he's gonna have to work to be in that rotation. He has to prove something. I want him to prove something. I want him to make the rotation. I want him to succeed. I want him to start opening day for them. I just don't. That that's not gonna happen. No, he's I not. Want him. Start, uh, listen, he's not. He's I know. Not, you're not, I, okay. He's, I know he's not starting opening that. day. But at the same time, I do think that there's a legit, like a legitimate chance he can make that that rotation. He does have a uh, chance. If he has an impressive spring training. I've said this so many times on this airwaves. I don't know if you're a Mets fan, how you could possibly not root for Matt Harvey. Matt Harvey died. He died for the 2015 Mets to try to win a championship. And like, he was absolutely heroic for that team. Like if you think back to the early 2010, 11, 12 Mets, there was nothing to look forward to. 
Like those teams were God awful. And you kept kind of hearing about Matt Harvey in their minor league system. And, you know, when he finally showed up, he strikes out like a, the whole fucking world in Arizona and he comes flaring onto the scene and he dominates for all of 2013 before needing Tommy John. He misses all 2014. He gives you his life, his arm and world in 2015. So this team could try to win a championship. And he has one of the best World Series pitching performances almost ever, except, you know, we just forget the ninth inning happened. Harvey didn't go out in the ninth inning. Familia did. He blew it. That's what we're going to remember that as. But in a Met fans all turn on him and I get it. He, he was a little bit of a diva in the, in the news articles and, you know, playing up to it. Like Harvey got addicted to being a star, but I'm not going to say that Matt Harvey didn't like work his ass off and try his hardest to be a Met. When they interviewed him, when he was on the reds, after they traded him, that man was like crying in the fucking dugout. That, that man did not want to leave this city. He wasn't done here. And the Mets were done with him. And granted he's done absolutely nothing since. So why not just root for this guy? Any Met fan that's against Matt Harvey, you're just a dick. You really are. How do you not root for this guy? You're just a straight up douchebag. We haven't had any light as a Met fan at all. We really haven't. And this guy gave you his entire world. He gave you his entire arm. One of the greatest things in baseball when Harvey was doing that, he gave you his entire career in order for you to try to win a championship. You can't turn your back on a player like that just because you didn't get the result you didn't want. That's fine, but you can't turn your back on him. You got to root for him. Who cares? Who cares if he not dominates in the AL East? He's not going to do anything to us. Now, yeah, I 100% agree with what you said. Brian has talked about Matt Harvey uh, a ton on these airwaves. So um, nothing, nothing I haven't said before. I support Matt Harvey. I want him to do well. I would love him to make this starting rotation on the Orioles. I'd love for him to be a top 100 player again. Opening day. I'd love for him to start opening day. Um, but we'll see. I'm going to be rooting for him. That, that's what it, what it comes down to. But let's move on to our, our last topic. Uh, the, MLB, the MLB Networks did their uh, top 100 players uh, this week. Or they, they've started. I don't think they've did the whole list. Uh, they got to like maybe like 30-something maybe? Yeah, I think they're still in the 40s, honestly. I don't know, something like that. Uh, but Mets had a few players on there. Yeah, so Brandon Nimmo was ranked the 89th best player in the league. Uh, Dom Smith was ranked 67th. Pete Alonzo, the big man, uh, was ranked 66th. And uh, future Met, Chris Bryant, was uh, 62. I think Pete Alonzo is a little too high on this. And the only thing I'm going to mention on this, on why I think he's too high, no one's hit more home runs in the last two years in all Major League Baseball than Pete Alonzo. And I, I just think 66 is a little too high. I don't think he should be anywhere near like the thirties, but like, I, I think he's a top 50 player in the league. You, you said too high. And I know why you said too high. I meant you too meant too low, low. too yeah. low. Yeah. yeah. That's um, why I was so confused. You're like, Oh, he, he had so many home runs. Why is he this? Why is he this high uh, on the yeah. list? Listen, no one's hit more home runs in the last two years. Yeah. I, I think he sh- should be in the top 50. I think that's a little disrespectful to Pete. Did, um, did Pete have like a, a fantastic season last year? No, he struggled a bit. No. But he was still on pace at 40 home runs. Correct. Um, something that I think Met fans need to realize, um, Brandon Nimmo is a shitty defensive center fielder. We know that. But Brandon Nimmo is a good player. And yeah. I don't know if some of you guys know that. A lot of people are trying to ship this man out of town. Uh, Brandon Nimmo is very deserving to be on this list. And PJ, I'm going to ask you this right now. Do you know what? WRC plus is 
something runs something. Yeah, that's Plus. uh, you know, that's something. It's like win win runs winning runs. Count, I don't fucking know what it means. You're close. It is uh, weighted runs created. Okay. So the average for Major League Baseball is a hundred. So anytime you're over a hundred with weighted runs created, you are better than an average baseball player. Thanks for explaining okay. that. Yeah, no problem. I wrote it down because I had no idea what it meant. Um, but we're trying to get, you know, more analytically. Are we? I don't know. Probably not. No. Uh, but I want to give you a list of players that Brandon Nimmo has a higher WRC plus than weighted run created plus than. I'm just trying to give you anything here on Nimmo. Uh, George Springer, Max Muncy, Cody Bellinger, Ronald Acuna Jr., uh, Xavier, what? Xander? Xander Bogarts. I can't say names. Xander Bogart, Bryce, Bryce Harper, Manny Machado, Jose Ramirez, Paul Goldschmidt. Brandon Nemo creates more runs than them is what I've gathered there. If I knew what the stat meant, I'd, I'd be impressed. No, Brandon Nemo is a very good hitter. He, he is a very, very capable player starting outfielder on any team, not just like on a, on a fringe team or a bad team. Like he's a good outfielder on, on any team. He just can't play center field. He's not a good defender. If you put him in the corner, that's totally fine. If he was your left fielder, perfect. Like that, that, that works for me. I have him have him start because he is a very good bat line. He gets on base. He'll hit around 260, 280. Uh, he'll hit a few homers here and there. Like he is a good hitter, just not a good center fielder. He can't be the anchor of your outfield in baseball, terms of defense. Baseball has too many stats that aren't like real stats. Yes. That's that's one of them. But like yeah. if it's gonna convince me that Brandon Nimmo is really good then sure. Just keep making up all these random things and be like, Brandon Nimmo is better than George Springer at this. And even if it's not even baseball related, like it's like being it's from like Wyoming, I'll be like, okay, cool. Like he's good. Like I'll take that. It's like war is a stat. Like I don't, I don't really, I don't think I don't really care about war, but like at the end of the day, like it, when we have players on the Mets that have like really high war, I'm like, fuck yeah, let's go. He's so good. Yeah. I'm like, I'll, yeah, I'll use that. Know. I'll use that as an argument if it, if it helps me, but I'll be like, no, it's a stupid. If, if no, it listen, it's I, I think, I think it's no brainer uh, how we, you and I are as a fan. It's, it's the eye test. Yeah. We're, we're, we're looking what we see in front of us. I'm not, you could show me all these numbers and I'm going to be like, great. This is my I'll, opinion. I'll look at batting average. I'll look at on base. I'll look at homers. I'll look at RBIs. I'll look at ERA. I'll look at whip. Everything else, I missed a, a couple, but you get my you get my point. Any advanced analytics, like if there's a plus in the in the stat, I don't I'm, give a shit. No, I'm out. If uh, if we're if we're using fucking symbols, like we're getting parentheses, we're getting uh, exclamation points in there. Fuck off. I don't want it. Except when it benefits our players. Except when it benefits the Mets. And we're like Brandon Nimmo, weighted runs created, amazing, greatest player of all time. Um, we have a draft that we're going to get into in just a moment. Just want to say one thing. We're not going to talk about this because we don't have to talk about this. Um, there was like a fake thing saying uh, Mets like online said that Albert Amora was going to wear number five. If any Met fan out there believed for like more than like a millisecond that this man was going to suit up and run on the field in Queens wearing number five on his back, you're an idiot. You are an absolute moron. Yeah. And Albert Amora already person. put out on his Instagram that he's wearing number four. So any Met fan at all thought that they were going to give out David Wright's number to an outfielder that they signed for one year for $3 million to go run around and play a defensive center field? You're an idiot. This was agreed. never a conversation. No, agreed. He's just taking Wilmer Flores' number. But let's go into the draft. Yes, so we're, we, are, we are drafting our 
top five. First of all, before I, I say the draft, uh, I won the last draft. Uh, again, just applause to me. Don't break your wrist jerking yourself off, Peter. I did it one thing. Um, but this week, we're drafting favorite things in sports. So we like the broad, basically any, anything in sports that, that, that you love can be eligible for this list. Uh, correct if I'm wrong, draft order is going to be me, as in PJ, Pat, then Brian. Yep. Yeah. So we, right. all, we all compete. Anything, anything we want to say before this draft? I just love how Pat leans back. He's just chilling the entire, like, last hour. And then once it's draft time, the shoulders do like a little, like little swiggle, not even a, not even a full on wiggle, a swiggle. And he, he uh, perks up, clears the throat. He's like, all right, here we go. And then he always loses every draft dead last every draft. Me, 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 me. This is, this is the only time I can shine in the pod. God forbid I look up stats. So. All right. PJ. Start. I want you to get more involved in in these baseball topics, but. (laughs) So. Uh. This is so broad. You can go any direction. This uh, my favorite thing in in sports. My number one pick is going to be the first weekend of March Madness. That Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, that first two rounds of March Madness is unbelievable. Just moment you wake up to moment you go to sleep, it's just flat out basketball. You set up four TVs. You watch on CBS, uh, fucking ESPN, ABC, and. For some reason, True TV is always always a, a channel, which is fucking weird. Always, but it's, it's hilarious. I I've never been tuned in more to like a Wyoming versus like Iowa State game, and I'm just so interested in that. It's it's the best time of year in terms of like I, I think the best uh, anything in sports. Almost uh, first weekend of March Madness is my pick. Good pick. Thank you for, for 2020, right? Like specifically for 2020 <laughs> March Madness. Uh, I don't know. That's a good pick. Uh, my first pick is going to be uh, a buzzer beater by a non-star specifically. So it's always predictable when you see like Steph Curry or Kevin Durant get like the, the buzzer beater shots. Like, okay, boohoo. But it's when like the no-name player who like is just out there, maybe there was foul trouble. So he's out there. He gets the buzzer beater. I saw uh, when the Knicks played the Sixers at the Sixers about like three, four years ago, I saw it was the TJ McConnell buzzer beater like right over Porzingis, I'm pretty sure. And it was, it was so crazy. They mauled him. It was no one like, was like, no, TJ McCall's not going to get the last shot. And he just did like some, uh, lost the dribble, fade away over Porzingis. It was fantastic. So I think Wait, it was that Porzingis or Mello. I was actually at that game. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. We Whoa, were, yeah, I watched we were, the game on TV. Yeah, I was, I was that, cool. <laughs> <laughs> but, but it's cool and because like the whole crowd like has the cool. same exact like oh my god wait a second what the fuck he actually hit it so it's 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 a little little extra oomph into like your your and emotions it, when a non star a non person who's who's made for clutch shots I'm not saying T.J. McConnell's not meant for clutch shots but this is uh, since he just took a shot at he's not meant for clutch shots this is the uh, the nine year anniversary of Jeremy Lin hitting the buzzer beater against the Raptors on Valentine's Day yeah see there you go so Lin's sanity I'm. Yeah. All, All right. right. All right. So that's, that's my uh, not pick. bad. All right. So I got two picks back to First back. Pick. That's how dress work. All right. Cool. So let's just start with the uh, best two words in all of sports, which is game seven. Mm, I any had game list. seven in any sport. It's just, you know, do or die. Yep. You're either going on to, in the playoffs or you're going on to win a championship or you're going home. 
So nothing better than a game seven. Good pick. I had that on my list. Uh, second thing I'm going to do is a college football fight song. When you have a team like Penn State, Wisconsin, any of these big brands that just, uh, not brands, any of these big college stadiums that have, yeah, they're kind of our brands. When they're just packed to the rim over 60,000 college students, the lights are flashing and they're singing whatever song they want. And it's just, you're just in the Thunderdome once you're in these scenarios. So once, if you go to a school where you have that and you can experience that, even just seeing it on TV, like you get the chills when, when you have a good fight song, uh, it's tough to play there. Like Florida Some, States, you'd say the the Florida State uh, Tomahawk. I, think that's I mean, good. I even think of like, just like think of like when the Cubs won the World Series and they were all saying, go, go Cubs, Cubs, go. go. Like, that that shit was electric. awesome. Go yeah. Cubs, go. Hey, Chicago, what do you say? Cubs are gonna win today. That song is electric, man. The fucking The fucking video of them winning the World Series and then Everyone like the stadium singing it, and you could hear it from like all of Chicago. Miles, miles, miles away, you could hear them singing "Go Cubs Go." It's an, it's an awesome. insane video. Yeah. Go so yeah, I, I'm just gonna say, uh, I'll leave it at college football fight song, but fight song basically. That's a good pick. I like that. All right. So my Patrick. second pick, I think this is it's gonna take me out of the uh, of of the draft, but. This Are you already going to take yourself? It's the second pick. Second. Pat, this, you're like Jose Canseco taking a dive early. I, I have I have very topical joke. I Thank have uh, th- I had 13, 13 uh, draft picks down, but this was my third pick. And I'm like, you know what? This is I, I got to go with it. It's catching a T-shirt from the shirt bazooka. Like while you're in like the stands and like it's not awful. See, it's not it's as bad as you made it out to be, but it's like it's like that's the, a fifth round the thrill of like especially for like a basketball game when they roll out the fucking like the eight eight uh barreled bazooka shirt gun and then they, they're just fucking cranking it from behind and then like you just catch one. It's it's a great feeling catching a shirt from one of those shirt bazookas. Mainly you like cranking it to, from behind. So my second pick's cranking it from behind. <laughs> <laughs> yeah please please go. that's not that's not that's, that's not a, that's not a bad pick in in theory i think you could have got that much later next pick but but i don't think that was gonna i, I, was gonna I, I didn't have my the list whole time. yeah no i needed to die um to grab it when i needed to so uh my mm, my next pick is gonna be uh college football bowl season i went college my first two picks because uh, I, I think there's an energy in the air um, when, especially if you're a college team is oh, in it. Adderall. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't, I don't do those, those sort of performance enhancers, Pat. I, I like to earn my stuff uh, natural. I crack. Um, but, Sorry, but Hank. <laughs> shout out the Hank draft. Um, <laughs> but when uh, I use it as reference when like when like UCF uh, was in the the Peach Bowl, uh, I didn't I, I didn't get to go to the game, but just like in that season, that was just the coolest fucking thing of all time. Uh, and it's similar to it's similar to the week uh, the first weekend of March Madness, where it's just wall to wall football uh, for for a month. Where you just have a game on every single day, and it's something to something to do. And I'm gonna bank off of that with my third pick. It's gonna be sports gambling. Gambling on a random game is so much fun. And since I've been able, to, uh, when I was in in New Jersey, 
just being able to have something invest in any game. Like, Hey, we're going to, we're going to whoever's house. We're going to watch, we're going to watch a football uh, on, on a Saturday and like college football on a Saturday. And it's like, Oh, Oh, let's go get all the boys together. We're going to bet on this fucking like Arkansas, uh, Western Michigan game, normally a game that I wouldn't give a shit about. You put a few bucks on that, you and your boys are riding with it. It's so much fun. It, it enhances the day. The Red Bank Bastards are going to love that one, Pat. All they can do in Jersey and when they're not milking cows, they're betting on sports games. I don't think I don't think you've ever been to New Jersey. <laughs> when they're not plowing the fields and riding in their horse-drawn carriages. Uh, yes, New Jersey. Sport. Famously Amish, New Jersey. People don't know. Yeah, people don't know. Apparently you don't either. Right, Pat. Uh, my, with a t-shirt my, cannon. My third pick, uh, I'm going to go with uh, for football when a catch is called incomplete, but then they challenge it and overturn it to a completion. I'm going to like word it differently. I worded it incomplete catch being called complete because there's nothing like a, an insane catch happening for your team. And then like the refs like quickly just go like, no, incomplete, incomplete. You're like, oh man. And then you watch the replay and you're like, wait, wait, no, that, that's a catch. That's a fucking catch. And then they uh, like, then they throw the red flag out and then they challenge and they overturn like a big play. There's no better thrill when you like, you think you've outsmarted the refs watching that replay going, no, that's a catch. And then the, the, the coach throws the flag, overturns it. I'm going with incomplete catch to complete catch. Brian, your pick. Yeah, I got no thoughts on that. Yeah, I don't uh, no, no, no I have, is it? No. Nope. I, I have uh, when a traded player, when your team like trades for a player and they make their debut. Uh, so like when you trade for a player, like their Exciting. first at bat or like first game at home. And like you have like the, even like, I just think about like silly stuff. Like when the Mets traded for Cespedes and like I rushed home to mm. watch his like, first at bat and first game with the Mets and stuff like that. Like there's no better feeling to be like, my, like my team went out and got this guy. Like, this is so cool. And it's going to be like that when we like see Francisco Lindor for the first time. So that is going to be my third pick and uh, I, when your team, when the players you trade for make their debut for your teams. And honestly, it doesn't even matter if it's like, if it's like a star or like, just like another uh, kind of like, ro- like rotational guy. It's just mm-hmm. always cool to be like, Oh, this is, this is our new guy. Let's see how he does. Yep. Uh, so yeah, when a player makes their debut for your team is pretty cool. And then I have, um, mine's football for this one. It's going to be just like the perfect deep ball, like that, like time period where the ball is just like completely up in the air. It's like 50 like yards downfield. And it's like, it's like a Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson does it better than anyone. Just like the perfect sideline one-on-one deep ball that's caught for a touchdown. Like there's no cooler thing than watching that ball just up in the air when they come down with it and just touchdown. Well, then it's incomplete, and then they go to the review, and no, it's actually no. a complete pass. No. So thank I thought, you. Ryan. I honestly thought you were going to take mine with that. I was like, really? He's going to fucking say this? And then you said incomplete ruled. I was like, all right, never mind. So do you have one more pick? Or are you? Uh, I just said two. my two. Okay, don't yell at me. Uh, my fourth pick, I'm going to go with uh, around golf. Uh, it's when a golfer holes in a chip from mm. outside the green. Anytime they do that, I was watching uh, the, the Pebble Beach uh, tournament the final day on the plane ride down here. And then I saw, who was it? I think, I don't think it was uh, Jordan Spieth, but it was someone just like beautifully chipped it from like the deep rough, pins it right into the fucking hole. And like, it's just, 
it, it, there's no better thrill than just watching that ball slowly roll. Because if you golf, you understand how hard it is to fucking chip, do like a, a, an easy chip onto the green because you have to read the green. You have to put enough spin on it and everything. It's, it's so fucking tough. And these guys make it look so easy. So anytime it goes in the hole from a chip, it's so rewarding to watch. It's so fucking hard to chip. Like being someone who, who has it golf, is. chipping is so goddamn hard. It's incredible. It is. There's so much, so much could go wrong when you chip. I always had, like, uh, how often have you tried to do the thing where you like, you pop it so far up in the air and you just kind oh, of the, uh, slice it all the way to the right. What is it called? The splash? The uh, a, a splash or a uh, splash uh, shot? Something yeah. like that. Yeah. Flop, flop, shot. Shot. flop, shot, flop shot. shot. Yeah. Oh, never mind. Different. What are you saying? Get out of here. Nope. Yeah, no, I've tried it before. It's not anytime I'm in the sand bunker, I might as well just put double par for my, so my score. There's there's no shot in hell I'm getting out of the sand without four tries. No, that that, that is a I, I like I like that pick. That's Thank that's you. um I have a lot of different ways I can go for my last two picks. Uh I'm gonna go with my my first one I'm gonna go with is gonna be uh Ken Griffey Jr. swinging a baseball bat. Ken Griffey Jr. has the sweetest swing of all time, and it's not even close. I could watch that man swing a bat for six hours on loop uh, just in one sitting. It's, it's a beautiful swing. And my, my last pick, we are a baseball podcast, and uh, if you go check us out on any of our socials, you'll, you'll see we're doing a countdown. I'm taking opening day for baseball. Just a, a glorious, glorious time, and it's going to be even more glorious because we have so many actual hopes and expectations for this year. So. Ken Griffey Jr.'s baseball swing and open and I will be opening day are my last two picks to round out of this draft. Uh, Fine, you're smiling. Because <laughs> I, I had opening day as my last pick. I know you did. Yeah, I was holding out. So I feel like I'm trying to, for my draft, diversify. I have some, I have baseball, I have football, I have golf. I'm, I'm trying to keep it different. For my fifth pick, I'm surprised this dropped all the way to the last round. Neither of you thought about this pick. My fifth pick, I'm just going with the good old-fashioned shuttlecock. I mean, it is the most infamous uh, sports equipment out there. The shuttlecock is, is uh, I believe, surpasses time itself. I believe before man created the wheel, the man created shuttlecocks. Uh, the greatest thing ever in like your PE class in high school when you're PE teacher tried to, with a straight face, say, okay, this is called the shuttlecock. Uh, it's beautiful. It, when you hit one, it's great. Uh, I, I could write a full 500-page thesis on a shuttlecock if I could. The amount of people that just, like, turned the podcast off is astonishing. Is, it's all if of them. Everyone remembers where they were when they first hit a shuttlecock. No, I don't. You're just trying to say the word cock as much as possible right now. Yeah. No. Oh, get your fuck. This is those favorite things in sports draft. All right. Yeah, we're not drafting. We're not drafting. Miss incredible again. Come on. You, yeah, you, you and Elastigirl girl can relax. <laughs> all right. Uh, Pat, I want you to know that uh, um, anytime I talk to my dad, he talks to me about the podcast because he is a, a, a 30 episode listener. Uh, shout out uh, Pete. Uh, he says, what the, what the fuck does Pat do in his drafts? <laughs> I just, I just, I, I don't draft for votes. I draft for when I make the graphic and I just want to laugh when I'm put like last week's when I was no, two weeks ago and I was putting the fucking go-kart kid onto the, the graphic. It was fucking, I was cracking up. So I, 
so I'm just, I'm just, that's all right. You, you know, you do you, Pat. I'm just, uh, so, I'm just, so I'm just telling P- you what, what the fans are, what the, what our loyal fans are, are saying about your draft. Um, that's fine. all right. I'm going to end the draft, uh, with a, I did have opening day as my last pick. So shout out PJ. Good pick. Thank you. Um, I'm going to keep it in baseball. We are a baseball podcast. Like you said as well, I'm just going to say a bat flip after a moonshot home run. That was on my list. Fucking awesome. When these guys hit these piss missiles into the second deck and then just chuck the bat and just like pimp it. Nothing cooler. It's so fucking awesome. The Jose Batista one is the always the first one that comes to mind. Even the Cespedes one in the NLDS against the Dodgers, where he just fucking pimps it into the the restaurant like that. That's cool shit too. Yeah, one um, soda walking at the first. <clears throat> uh, do we want to run through uh, honorable mentions real quick before we wrap yes. this up? Yes. yes, um, yes. I, I will start because I want to. Um, I had a benches clearing brawl. Love a good one of those. I had a college football tailgate, but for your team. So if you go to college football school, it's just awesome tailgate for your own games. Uh, Brian, I'm shocked you didn't pick this. I had Harvey Day. <laughs> it was a um, spectacle. Yeah. I had um, I, I wanted to pick this, um, but I didn't. It would have been six. I had the NHL playoffs uh, along with a, the, the NHL shootout. I had just the Masters music in general. And as a wrestling fan, I had anything that Kenny Omega does because he is the best in the world. He's really good. Yes. He's having a great run right now. Uh, I had uh, I had the Summer Olympics because I feel like everyone just goes hard for the Summer Olympics, but no one actually fucking gives a shit about it. Uh, I had Brad I Stevens that. putting in Taco Fall. Anytime he does, every that would have been does, a good pick. What is, what are you pick. doing with your drafts? You <laughs> picked, that, you Pat, picked that shuttlecock a much better pick over that. Pat, that would have a much better pick than shuttlecock and uh, oh. t-shirt cannon. Come on, Shut, shuttlecock is going to rise me to the top. I had Stanley Cup shenanigans like after they won the Stanley, Stanley Cup, watching all the players fuck around with the. Uh, the oh, Stanley someone's going to get offended if you do anything to the Stanley Cup. Yeah. Relax, Karen. Whatever that whatever, person's whatever name Whatever her name is. I had nutmegging in uh, basketball whenever they've dribbled the ball between their legs. It's pretty cool. I had distracting a free throw shooter behind the basket. I just remember that one guy, the super fan from the Nets, who always did this, moved his fingers and thought that he actually was impacting the games. Newsflash, dude, you're not. Uh, I had dusk aerial shots of arenas and stadiums, like when a game's like starting to wrap up. Whenever they show like the the blimp shot or the aerial shot of the stadiums with the background, I thought that was cool. You could tell I really don't. I got into sports. A lot of things that shuttlecock uh, made it over. Then I have Kevin Harlan's streaker commentary. Anytime there's a guy running around actually. the stadium streaking, Kevin Harlan always has an awesome commentary. I your your like honorable that. mentions might have won if you ran with that list and said. I'm going to take Shuttlecock at number five, and that's it. <laughs> Brian, you got any honorable uh, mentions? I only had two honorable mentions, honestly. I had uh, Foam Fingers, and I had Super Bowl. That was it. I had, I think all of us might have had Super Bowl in our minds at one point, but uh, the realism is the Super Bowl is very hit or miss sometimes. Cough, um, cough. It's past one. Cough, cough. All right. Uh, guys, got anything else? Uh, yeah, I want to do a quick shout out to everyone that has already purchased a shirt uh, from the Scooter and the Big Man shop. Uh, I'm literally going to list out all the names so far. 
Uh, we are super appreciative of Mikey, Sean, Dina, Tristan, Matthew, Brittany, Brian, Darian, Andrew, Mackenzie, Samantha, Brandon, Shelby. Let's go, everyone. Thank you guys for buying shirts. We really appreciate it. Once again, just to wrap up what we said in the beginning of the show, uh, any shirt profits that we make from now until the 22nd, we are going to be donating to Pete Alonzo's charity uh, for Homers for Heroes. So if you guys purchase a shirt and make a donation, we are going to donate all that money to Homers for Heroes. So please buy a shirt by the 22nd. All those proceeds are going to be going over to Pete Alonzo's charity. Yeah, uh, you can find the the link. We're going to tweet it out again. Uh, we'll put it on Instagram. We'll put it on all of our social media. You can find that link. Buy a shirt. We got a lot of good things on there. Uh, and you know, help help support a good cause for for a guy uh, that we love on honor. Oh, honor I forgot team. to mention uh, my parents also on that list because if I don't say their names on here, my mother will murder me. <laughs> uh, I love you, mom and dad. They also bought shirts. Bill can and I bought throw and I bad, bought bad shirt. Pat shirt. I bought Pat a shirt. So shout out me as well. Good, good for you. Good for you, Brian. You, you, your wrist hurt from jerking yourself off. That's a that's a joke turned back on you. Um, but yes, thank you everyone for listening. Uh, follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, uh, on Twitter at Scoop Big Man Pod, on Instagram and TikTok at Scooter Big Man Pod. Uh, we are continuing our countdown to opening day uh, on all, all these platforms. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, if you have any suggestions on what we can do, uh, what you would like to see us do, you know, hit us up, DM us, tweet at us, whatever you want to do. Uh, thanks for listening. I'm Nancy. Back away. Meet the Mets, fuck the rest at last, cause you're listening to the best sports podcast. We got Brian with jokes that make you laugh on the floor. He's a nine of best like Brennan M.O. PJ's the man, so many hearts to steal, like a squirrel from a nut, call him Jeff McNeil. And then this pack, keep it everything rational. Too bad the fuckers are a fan of the national. Stop us, please, we ain't that slow. Push your ball so far like Peter Alonso. So sit back, relax, and if you're a Mets fan, cause you're about to witness, screw it in the big band. <laughs>